Welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Liz Kelly. The Ringer is introducing a new live Twitter after show covering season two of HBO's Big Little Lies with Jam Sessions' Amanda Dobbins and ESPN's Mina Kimes. Immediately after each episode, they'll be going live to give their initial reactions and break down everything we saw in the episode. And to kick us off, there'll be a special season two preview airing this Friday, June 7th at 12 p.m. Pacific. So join Amanda and Mina for that this week and then catch Big Little Live every Sunday night on Twitter. Welcome to the very first jam session on the brand new Ringer Dish feed. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm Amanda Dobbins. New home, same show. Same show, more often. Weekly. Yes. Every every Wednesday, you will get a jam session, and we're even going to endeavor to tape them in advance, so they'll get there early to you. Wednesday morning, hopefully. That'll be nice, won't it? You know, we're going to try. We'll try. No promises. There there also may be an instance where something important happens on Wednesday. Sure. Wait. Yeah, of course. Who's to say, really? We're going to do our best for you. We're excited. We've made a commitment to be here weekly with you. Ringer Dish is Mondays is kind of a a rotating show. This week's, we had Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So Tuesday was, we did a Benefer, J-Lo, and Ben Affleck deep dive with Amelia. And then... Wednesday jam session. Thursday, a special for realsies with Zoe Simmons and Liz Kelly. And then Friday is tea time. And then starting next week, we'll go Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And mm-hmm. the Monday show will rotate. Celebrity family, celebrity deep dive, celebrity news. Yeah. All the celebrity that's fit to pod. If there's any recent history, recent celeb history that you are interested in hearing us revisit, please let us know. My top topic is debunking the Richard Gere myth, so we'll be getting to that, I yeah, promise you. that's going to be our most <laughs> litigious episode. But yeah, please let us know, and also please subscribe and like and do all the stuff that you're supposed yeah, to do. Give us a good Tell rating. your friends. You know, we love friends. It's a it's a warm, supportive community at Ringer Dish, so <laughs> <laughs> invite others to join. Indeed. On that note, let's get into it. We're going to discuss... The rom-com, Always Be My Maybe, mm-hmm. will check in on the summer of Sophie Turner, which is continuing apace. But first, a visit up north to the great country of Canada <laughs> to discuss the 44th president of the United States, Barack Obama, and of course, Drake. We haven't talked about Drake in a long time, actually, so I'm looking forward to that. Well, it's been almost exactly a year since, since the Adonis revelation. You are hiding a child. Yeah. And a tremendous emergency jam session with Justin Charity. That was, I really enjoyed that one. So... He did also hide himself for a while. Drake? Yes. Yes. And this, I guess this spring has seen something of a public reemergence. Spring is the time for Drake. Yes. I mean, who knows what summer viral hit he'll bring upon us, you know? I'm still I'm still wondering if Kiki, do you love me, you know? And that's a year ago almost. Yeah, that's true. Right now, his, his efforts are mostly focused on being a nutcase on the sideline of the Toronto Raptors games. Yes. It's, how do you feel about it? I have a lot of complex emotions that I'd love to share with you now, which is basically that. So what is his official title? He has like an official title with the Toronto Raptors, right? They're a basketball team in case you're just like really late to the game here. Um, I don't know what it is, to be honest. He's, However, their practice facility is like the OVO Toronto Raptors practice facility and has like the owl on it. Okay. Like, so presumably he's a financial benefactor. I guess so. He's also, I'm looking now, the quote, global ambassador for the Raptors. Right. That's a fake name, but okay. Uh, like, honestly, <laughs> he is probably doing the most work as a global ambassador of anyone in any it's fake true. title state, position. State or otherwise. In history. Like, there are many people who are global ambassadors for, like, smart water or whatever, and they're doing the bare minimum. And Drake 
has a special seat courtside every game. And he doesn't really sit in the seat very much because he's up doing a show. Yes. Every game and has really elevated. I mean, along with the city of Toronto, you better than I know that like the Raptors have become a big deal in Toronto. And they have this thing called Jurassic Park, which is like where they all stand in the street and watch together. It's just like the plaza outside of, sure. out of the arena. Yeah. Toronto, very excited about the Raptors. And that's great. And Drake has become the avatar for that. And he is really embracing it. So, again, I kind of think it's like Drake as a meme maker and Drake as a a person who creates phenomenons and, Mm -hmm. like, manages to not really create them but insert himself into something that is having a lot of success and is going to get a lot of shine at exactly the right moment. And so take credit for other people's success and work. Drake is very good at that, has been doing that for a long time, and becomes associated with super successful things. This is another example of that. Drake, finger on the pulse. Khan, Drake just, like, looks like a loon half the time on this. It's peak cornball Drake. I find it, like, really unappealing. I'm just like, I need a little bit less Drake. Thank you very much. Be, like... There's a lot of act like you've been here before jokes going on with the Raptors because mm-hmm. they've never made it to the finals and they've gotten stopped by LeBron like for many years in a row. I just find it to be like a little bit too much and like too much of a show. And I and but there's no actual show going on. I I don't know. I'm just like Drake, please sit down. He's just like an annoying fan. I I don't care for it. It must be very annoying to be sitting one row behind him. Yeah. I will say as someone who. I watch basketball from time to time now. It's on in my home a lot. You know, I'm around a lot of people like you who enjoy it. And I like to be able to share in your enthusiasms. But I wouldn't say I'm there being like, wow, that was a great post up or whatever basketball term. So I like a little theater with my game. Like it's something for me to latch on to and kind of like what's what's Drake up to is a great C plot in a game that I am already watching. But my problem is I don't feel like it's a C plot because he's so famous. It's true. And he just is so good at like manipulating social media. It's like the B plot if not the A plot, because, like, in some way, I mean, like, game two was a really bad game. And it's kind—it's like a funny comparison because for the last three years, the Kardashians have loomed over the finals because mm-hmm. of Tristan Thompson and Khloe mm-hmm. Kardashian. And so we've gone from them choosing to kind of, like, be present but hang out in, the ba- in, like, in like the bowels of the arena mm-hmm. to Drake just being like, I'm here and this is my team. I liked it better when he was watching the Eastern Conference finals and they would, like, cut away to him at Jurassic Park when the game was in in Milwaukee. I like it better when he is like truly a C plot instead of being okay. elevated. So you think he's becoming bigger than the story itself? Yes. And I and and I, you know, he's probably like, would you say he's the most fam- famous Canadian of all time? Wow. I think he might be. I actually I guess I in as soon as you said that, I was like, who are other Canadians? And my mind basically went blank. I mean, Justin Bieber is also Bieber's up, up there. Yeah. I'm sure there are also some famous historical Canadians. I mean, the fact that one doesn't jump off the top of your head, I think, is telling. I also, by the way, was shocked by the population of Canada. This okay. is a dumb American moment. But the population of Canada is like 68 million people. And I was just shocked by that. I was like, oh, my God, that's really small. <laughs> All right. Shania Twain's Canadian. That's literally the third person that jumped, that popped in my head yeah, after and Drake then and like Bieber. Rachel McAdams, Mike Myers, Ryan Gosling. I'm sure the Canadians have changed the world in the realm of oh, politics. I'm not, I'm not and Canadians. Yeah, no, 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 no. I'm just like, there's probably a lot of Canadian contributions to history and the greater good that we know nothing about. But yeah. for the context of famous celebrities. The question is the most famous Canadian. And I think it's okay. Drake. All right. 
I'm, I'm, yes. I, here's one thing that I want to say back to your point about the Drake being like larger than the finals. I'm just playing devil's advocate sure. here. And I also, I love Drake. I have just a long, I have a soft spot for Drake, who is extremely extra, but occasionally so am I. So the finals this year are more interesting than we thought that they were going to be, is my understanding, but also pretty sure. boring, right? And kind of— A lot of injuries, kind of a slog. Right, and kind of a foregone conclusion. Not totally. We might actually be surprised. Yeah, but, not now. But it's—no one's, like, really that excited about the basketball that's happening, right? right? So it's great to have someone filling the void and something to talk about. I just find it to be, like, way too much. And I like it when he does—he pairs his— antics with music or like with another project but there is no other project here it's just Drake on the sidelines let me say one project I do feel that the wardrobe yes the and sweatshirts. specifically the like very specific trolling that he is doing with yes. his jerseys and his sweatshirts that's an art form sure it's, it's pretty funny it is good it's also taken out of the NBA playbook like of how the various players will like walk they walk in in a very specific outfits like, Anthony Davis for his last game was wearing a That's All Folks shirt. <laughs> and, like, presumably for his his last game in New Orleans, though, who knows. And it is entertaining, and him wearing the Curry Raptors jersey was good. Yeah, can you explain that briefly? Yeah, so, so Del Curry, Steph Curry's father, was on the Raptors, and so he wore wore the number 30. So he wore, like, a throwback Curry jersey to, like, troll the Curry family, yes. basically. I also really enjoyed when the wardrobe became a subplot when Mallory Edens, mm. who is the daughter of the owner of the Bucks, yes. who the Raptors played in the last round, she sat courtside wearing a Pusha T shirt. She, I, I liked her, you know, because she's less famous, I find it more charming that she's like trying to get into the fray and like get, into, get It was into very the scrum. clever. Yeah. I thought it she's was clever. Funny. She's smart. She's been on the Bringer NBA show before. Friend and of the pod. Drake handled it well, actually. Yes, he did when he changed his... Avatar to Mallory. Yeah. So that was funny. So the one thing that was too extra was kind of like the two-minute speech that Drake gave after one of the wins about, like, how important the Raptors are to Toronto. Yeah. Can we, like, play that a bit of this? Sure. Don't talk to me. Talk to these people. It's about these people right here. It's about these people. It's about the city. So that we, hey, listen, listen. We have the best player. We have the best fans in the whole in the whole NBA in the whole world. Look around. Look around you. Look at this. We created this. This didn't exist before we were here. Look around at the square. I promise you, right now, we did this. Doesn't matter what anybody says. They could say it's disrespectful. They could say it's this and that. And that. Everybody's within. Everybody's within the rules. Everybody's doing their thing. All we are is proud and passionate. We are like a college sports team. The Toronto Raptors are a college sports team. I promise you. I love Toronto. I love this team. And we're going to the NBA Finals. Let's go! That's the theater kid coming out. Totally. And that the Degrassi makes, kid back in his home turf. It makes me a little uncomfortable. I think that's tipping the line. Mm-hmm. Better seen, not heard for you. <laughs> yeah. I will say, though, I the fact that now he's in a feud with several of the Warriors players is pretty funny to me. Yeah, so then, then after game two, there was a video of Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant I was going to say backstage, like (laughs) underneath the arena, basically kind of trolling Drake because they won game two and stole home court advantage. And and the really funny thing is that Drake had to cover up his tattoos about Kevin Durant and Steph Curry as part of his Raptors fandom. Um, But, I mean, Drake is inextricably linked to the celebrity of Steph Curry because of the the lyrics, Steph Curry with the shot, Chef Curry with the pot. So, um, yeah, so now he's like beefing with them. I mean, it is entertaining, but I just kind of had enough. I'm like, this is good. I've got my fill of Drake for a while. Let's get some new music going, perhaps. Okay. 
I'm pro. I think, you know, not everything has been A+. Sure. I'm really enjoying it. Like I said, you need some extra material. It can't just be a basketball game at this point, at least for me. I'm sure that there are people who are like, you know, let's go get back to the basics or whatever, but this is not a basketball podcast. Some, some funny other celebrities courtside. I believe Will Arnett was there looking so overly tanned. I was concerned about his, what spray tan location he's going to. That's like kind of his look, I guess. I was going to say, that's a recurring theme with him. It's kind of weird to me. Like, do you have any, someone should tell you don't do that. Um, and then there was Sean Mendez, who also was sitting courtside, but like really quite quietly. And mm-hmm. I think he just was like overwhelmed by Drake's presence. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, there was Barack Obama at game two, who walked in with the Raptors GM, Masai Ujiri, who was like a cult figure of his own. We got to talk about the Obama wardrobe. Let's do it. He walks in wearing some basic dad slacks, a black button down, and then a black leather jacket that I don't, do we think that this is a good leather jacket? No. This is a horrible leather jacket, if you have to ask me. <laughs> it got, well, I, I, this sweater. It looks old. Vo- One thing I like about it is it doesn't look new, and it, and it might be new, but like it looks like it's from like the year 2007. I'm reading GQ right now trying to get a source on the jacket, and it doesn't seem like it's a designer one. It To me, it does kind of look like the leather jackets that you—you you know when you're in Europe and there's the all the tourist stores and there's yeah. always one, like, fine leather goods? Yes. And it does kind of look like a jacket that would be in that window. That said, Obama is a man of a certain age. He looks great. He is a dad. You can't be too young and too trendy. So I'm—the swagger— with which he is presenting this, makes it work for me. I think it looks like a women's jacket. Well, that's fine. I'm just saying, I think it looks like he borrowed it from Michelle or something like that, but not actually. It's just like a weird leather jacket. It's funny because he went to a Duke game earlier this year, and he was wearing a bomber jacket that had 44 sewed into the arm, and that was like a dope, really cool jacket, and I don't know why you would ever not wear that. That should just be your basketball game uniform, man. I think you got to change it up. You can't do the same look every single time. I, I, I would. I would go Steve Jobs and just make it my look. Okay. Like, I wear this jacket. You see me out in public. Remember, I'm number 44. And he he once gave an interview about not choosing what to wear every day, so he didn't have to, like, suffer that mental fatigue. I mean— I mean, oh. everyone loves a uniform. Me too. Yeah. Whatever. I am I enjoy this look. I enjoyed seeing Obama at the game. I also just want to pass along Bill Simmons's take on this look, which I think he enjoyed, but—and I quote, it's dying for a cool hat. So, President Obama, if you are listening, that is Bill's fashion advice. <laughs> I don't know what a cool hat is. I didn't follow up. I'm open to thoughts on that. I don't know either. I don't know. It's also really funny. He also walked into the into the arena with Ahmad Rashad, who was wearing a salmon-colored blazer. There's a lot of those on The Bachelor this season, Bachelorette. Mm-hmm. Is that in right now? Is that a thing in men's fashion, the salmon-colored blazer? So what's in right now in men's fashion is everything. It's a free-for-all. Oh. It's puzzling. I can't make sense of it. They're in their woman repeller phase. They're, they're dressing for each other. And I think there's beauty in that. Sure. But really, anything that you want to wear, it counts right now. And in this photo— As long as it's a look. And there's these photos of, like, Adam Silver, Barack Obama, and Amon Rashad, and they're all looked totally dressed for the different occasion. Like, Adam Silver's wearing a blue pinstripe suit, and Obama's wearing his look, and Amon Rashad's in the, in the salmon blazer, and, like, everyone's going to a different event. But I like that, you know? Just do you, I guess. So true. Even if it's an uncool leather jacket. But we're happy for you, Barack Obama. Good stuff. I support it. It's better yeah. than wearing a tragically hip 
that's, leather jacket. That's, that's true. That's my take. Okay, fair enough. I will say Drake's best look, I think, was I, I just liked his navy sweatshirt, his navy raptor sweatshirt. That was like not even tro- a troll job. It was just him. It just says We the North in like, it's like navy on navy. Mm-hmm. And I really liked it. It was subtle. Navy is a great color for him. He, he's a man who wears a hoodie well. So you're just looking for an understated NBA finals. Yeah. Okay. Keep it classy, people. <laughs> All right, there we go. That's all I have to say. <laughs> all righty, let's move on. Talk about the summer of Sophie Turner. But first, let's talk about some new occurrences here on the Ringer Podcast Network. Hey guys, this is Liz Kelly here to tell you about some changes to the Ringer Podcast Network. The Press Box with Brian Curtis and David Shoemaker is moving into its very own feed and will now be coming to you twice a week. So to keep up with the media's biggest news stories, from sports to politics to everything in between, subscribe to The Press Box on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and look for new episodes on Tuesdays and Fridays. Game of Thrones may be over, but Sophie Turner's definitely not going anywhere anytime soon. I'm just loving the summer of Sophie. We've talked about it already on this show, right? On the jam Absolutely. Session. I think we're fans. I don't know if we've talked since she had a surprise wedding in Vegas that Diplo live-streamed. It's just a really weird Diplo moment. That's just all I'm going to say. I love it. I'm really, really into what do Diplo. You love, what do you love about it? Well, I just think he's funny on the internet. He and is funny. very few people are funny on the internet. And he's funny on the internet. Speaking of men's style, his current style is like unkempt. And I'm also really into that for him. It's really funny, I think. He is definitely in he, the... He's like going through something. Or cha- changing I, his honestly, persona. That's honestly just what men's fashion is doing right now. I cannot express to you how wild it is. And on the one hand, men deserve to express themselves as well. On the other hand, I would kill for a shirt that fits any of them. Just one shirt that fits anyone. Diplo's hair is like a whole thing. He just was so styled for a long time. Like with the David Beckham haircut and everything. Yeah, that's true. And now he's just totally gone in the opposite direction. Right. And that's kind of, that's where. That's why I'm like, he must be going through something. <laughs> I, think, I think the men of the world are. Well, aren't we all going through something yes, right now? But that's absolutely. how they're choosing to express it with long, dirty hair. I think he can kind of pull it off. So I'm okay with it. Well, so he, um, yeah, as you referenced, he Instagram live Sophie Turner and Joe Jonas's Vegas wedding, yes, which was like impromptu. He was supposed to, he was DJing it, yes, and was not supposed to be Instagram living it, but then he did, and now they're both like annoyed about it. I have just a side question for you. Before yeah, we keep going. We've talked about the Jonas brothers individually a lot on this, sure. particularly Nick, as it relates to his marriage to Priyanka. Now that they're back as, like, a musical trio, like, what's your stance on the Jonas Brothers? Do you have one? Indifference. They, like, basically don't exist to me except as accessories for these women that I'm interested in. They're coming so hard as, like, we're back. And I'm just like, what moment are you reviving? And it's interesting, but I have have watched every single performance they've given, like, the BBMAs, SNL. I don't even know what else. I've watched all of them because mm-hmm. I'm just like fascinated by this, like these brothers coming back together when they've also acknowledged like this big rift between them. But I find them puzzling. So when you combine that with the Sophie Turner situation, it's just like a wonderful, perfect storm of celebrity for me. I think that their music comeback is for people slightly younger than us. It's a, I was a little bit past the generation of the Jonas Brothers. I have seen clips from that Disney movie, but... It's not really my demo. Yeah. I don't know whether it is your demo. 
Um, I'm like a little too old for yeah. the Jonas Brothers. So I think that's yeah. what it is. So and, and you know we're God, we're old enough now that people in the de- generation slightly below us are getting their nostalgia moment. And I think that's what it is. Yeah, you're and right. they also have enough adjacent fame because they are married to extremely famous women, or two of them are. I will be watching their documentary on Amazon Prime. Just so you know, I'll, okay. re- I'll report back. You do love a music, do- <laughs> a pop star documentary. Yeah. So anyway, that's just really a side note to what's going on with Sophie Turner. That. The first thing that happened is while she was in Game of Thrones. Second thing that happened is she was a bad bitch in Game of Thrones in the best possible way. Mm-hmm. And then she got married. But now she's doing a press tour for X-Men. What's the name of the, the full name of that movie? Dark Phoenix. Dark Phoenix. It's just Dark Phoenix. There's no like Rise of the Dark Phoenix. No, I think it's just the Dark Rise Phoenix is implied rising. in the Phoenix? the poster of her oh. just kind of making a vaguely Jesus like Pose. Incredible. I have to say, while I'm not really into superheroes, mm-hmm. I do love the X-Men franchise. Everybody likes the one excellent X-Men movie I with like James both. McAvoy and Michael Fassbender basically doing Inglorious Bastards about X-Men. Yeah, that's the new class. But I, I also like the Hugh Jackman movies. Like I like X- oh. I like the Brian Singer movies. I really do. Okay. I like X-Men and X2 very much. I I've, like the one. I've seen them both a lot of times. The one is really good. January Jones, probably her best star moment. Yeah. She's great. It's like an ice queen in it. So they moved on from those. Yes. This is they've made a lot of these movies at this point. And this is kind of Sophie Turner's spin-off. Not spin-off, but it's she's the star of this movie. Yes. Which that's great, great. for her. I think, yeah, that's all I know about X-Men and all we need to discuss about this particular she's movie. She's inheriting the role played by Fomke Johnson, Jean Grey. So that's good. And that's like a pretty I'm sure the timing is not coincidental, but a few weeks after Game of Thrones, she gets spinoff. She gets a big movie. She gets the press tour. That's career-wise great for her. Yeah. She's converting the success of Game of Thrones quickly before people can— I mean, I suppose people are already pretty tired and whiny about Game of Thrones. But I think she's just kind of speeding past all of the feedback to Game of Thrones and floating on goodwill to her movie career, which seems like a smart move. Yeah. She seems savvy. hmm And the people around her probably are as well. Yes. Even though, she, so she, they got married in Vegas, mm-hmm. which I, she's 23. Are you aware of that? Yes, I am. I just, I'm like, wow. I, she's obviously been famous for so long and has been working for so long and, you know, age is just a number. But I was really surprised when I realized that she was 23. She definitely has like, I, I would say she seems 26, 27. Yeah. Well, I suppose like that you, when you start so young. Yeah. You grow up, you grow up so fast, mm-hmm. um, and she's just an incredible quote machine. Not just quote machine, but like meme machine. She's so uncensored, and it's so charming. I feel like it's funny that she's in the same movie as Jennifer Lawrence, because I feel like in some ways she is like the next iteration mm-hmm. of Jennifer Lawrence, who also kind of had her peak fame at the same age. But sort of like people really fell for Jennifer Lawrence when she fell at the Oscars because of kind of like how. Not, like, messy she was, but similarly uncensored and kind of felt unpolished in a in a authentic way, not in, like, a try-hard way. Mm-hmm. And I think that Sophie Turner is kind of, like, pushing that to the next level, and that's one of the reasons I find her so captivating. Yes. Jennifer Lawrence is a bit goofier. Yes. Um, like, so, like, tell fart jokes. Exactly. And, and you know, it's some of it is also they're playing into American versus British stereotypes, just spot on. Yeah. But Sophie Turner is a little more abrupt, a little— more severe from time to time. Also, we have to talk now about this video that she did with Jessica Chastain for for Wired in promotion for the new X-Men movie. 
It's a great series. Like, I'm jealous of it. Wired, great job. And the series is, they answer the autocomplete questions about them, like the most common Google autocomplete questions about them. There's not a lot of YouTube videos, like, from publishers that Mm -hmm. I watch in full. Mm -hmm. I, I always watch these in full. They're pretty good. Yeah. And these are fairly standard, and it's Jessica Chastain and Sophie Turner trading off, and, you know, none of the questions get too weird, except at one point, Sophie Turner gets one of, does she have a sister? And can we just play this clip? Does Sophie Turner have a sister? No, I do not. Although I did have a twin that died in my mom's stomach and a sidekick told me that it was a girl. So technically. So that happens and then she just keeps it moving. Like there's no, I don't even think there's a cut. She just rips it off and it's the next one. And Jessica Chastain's face as she's telling this whole story (laughs) is just, I mean, you know, instant meme reaction. But there are a couple more moments in this video where she just kind of says things that most people would not say in public or most people would not introduce into casual conversation and then just keeps it moving. Just kind of like, and next. Yeah. I don't know if she can feel uncomfortable. It's like, what makes Sophie Turner uncomfortable? I think a lot of things, probably. I mean, she's actually, who knows? We haven't seen one yet. Well, she's actually she talks a lot about her struggle with depression yeah, and mental health, true. all of that stuff. You know, which many people share, and I admire that she's been open about it. And you know, she's also aged in the spotlight, so I think there are a lot of. I think that there are real things that make her uncomfortable. Sure. So normal social like mores, she just doesn't care at all. And then she just goes for it. And it's astounding to watch. I've, I'm just really enjoying it. I hope it never ends. Their wedding is supposed to be this summer, I believe, in France. And I'm, like, really hoping that there's some great pictures that come out of it. So they have the actual ceremony in Vegas. Yes. The legal marriage in Vegas. And then they're doing, like, a full-blown wedding in yeah. France. I can't wait for it. And also, like, who knows? Maybe they'll go to Wimbledon. Like, here's hoping. That's true. They are... All-time tennis fans. The U.S. Open photos are really some of my favorites. Totally. She's very into it, and they stay till the end. It gets late at the U.S. Open because they have the night play, and they're there and very much in the mix. The other thing I've really been enjoying is it seems like she and Jessica Chastain really enjoy each other. Yeah. They've done so many photo calls together, and she just seems like she takes it in stride, and it seems like they're having fun. They seem like they have a nice friendship. I really I really enjoy it. Yeah, and it speaks well of her, right? She also seems to have a real relationship with Maisie Williams. Yes. So— you don't always get the sense that, which, by the way, you don't have to be best friends with everyone you work with. That's sure. fine. Professional boundaries are great, but you do get the sense that people like being around her. Yeah, I mean, again, that's another, like, 10-minute long YouTube video that I watched in full, her and Maisie Williams, like, talking about their friendship for Rolling Stone. Mm-hmm. She's really captivating. It's kind of, it's, like, kind of great. I'm, I'm happy to have her in, in the celebrity world. Will you see Dark Phoenix? I think I might. That's exciting. I also love Michael Fassbender. I love James McAvoy. I do too. I like Jennifer Lawrence. Great actress. I, I'm interested. I, and as I said, I love the X-Men franchise. Okay. Well, I can't wait till next week. I think I've seen week. every movie. In the X-Men franchise? Yes. Maybe next week you can just do like a book report on what happens in Dark Phoenix and I'll ask you some X-Men questions. Sure. I don't think that we should. Uh, no. I don't want to do that. Maybe like a two-minute version. I have like a really fond memory of going to the Arclight Cinerama Dome and seeing Logan by myself on like one Friday <laughs> afternoon. I had a great time. I don't, I just, great characters. <laughs> great characters. So relatable, even though they're mutants. I just really like X-Men. Oh my God, 
okay. I I don't have anything to add to that. Just like, can we just make sure that great characters is a blurb on some giant billboard for like Oscar season 2019? This is amazing. All right. You you know, surprises every day. (laughs) Um, Lastly, I uh, was a little sick on Saturday, so I took in 10 hours of rom-com programming, including The Last Summer on Netflix, which stars KJ Appa from Riverdale. It's like a team ensemble Mm rom-com. I wasn't ready for the ensembleness of it, but enjoyed it. Good stuff. I'm not the target demo, but whatever. And then I also watched Always Be My Maybe, which you went to a screening of a few weeks ago, right? I did. And I had a delightful time. You did. You enjoyed it. I just have an insatiable appetite for like the mediocre... Netflix rom-com. Yeah, so let's talk about this. I, on the big picture with Sean, we talked a little bit about this and have been kind of watching the emergence of, like, the, quote, Netflix movie. And I specifically have been very closely following the Netflix rom-com since it is, like, 100% in my wheelhouse. And it is interesting. They seem to be developing, like, something that is not quite a movie but is still a romantic comedy. And it is, like, specifically engineered for you to watch, like, at home when you're feeling a little under the weather, when you don't want, like, full concentration and you can look at your phone, you can do whatever you need to do and still get all, it hits all of the beats and is enjoyable. I watched this movie in two parts, in fact, to that point. Once when I was, like, falling asleep on cold medicine and then another after talking to a friend who was like, okay, I loved it. I was like, all right, I'll pay attention. I'll (laughs) go back for the beginning. So, yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. And I wouldn't really want to pay to see that movie. Like, at right. least not, like, the L.A. fee of, like, $17. Mm-hmm. But I absolutely use my brother's Netflix account to watch oh it at home. So I had, a, I had like, a delightful time. But it is—it's not the same type of movie. It reminds me more of, like, The Wedding Planner than— Yeah. Not even just because of San Francisco, but just because of, like, tonal and pacing reasons. It is a very early 2000s, slightly more mainstream— Yeah. Mainstream— for a larger audience, yes. if not with, like, the budget to match. Yes. Yeah. I'm of two minds about it. Because on the one hand, I would watch one of those every night. Yeah. You know, and you Me there too. is that feeling of you go home and you t- open Netflix or Amazon or whatever, and it's, like, 45,000, you know, crime murder shows or whatever, and then a bunch of things where people die in historical situations. And I don't want to watch any of those. I want something light and frothy. That's my preferred zone out. I know. It's like, I basically want to watch The Bold Type or Younger or Always Be My Maybe, like, every night. Like, that's what I'm looking for when I get home. So I'm just like, Netflix, pump out more. Yeah, I can challenge myself from time to time on TV, but in terms of TV as recreation, you and I have the same taste. Yeah, it's like, on the weekend, okay, I'll sit down for an intense show, but after work, I don't want that. Exactly. So on the one hand, I'm, I'm thrilled that Netflix is doing this. On the other hand, like, there is this whole conversation about, quote, like, the rom-com revival. And it was a type of movie, especially like, in the last decade, that studios stopped making because people don't go to the theater. And that was proven with Longshot, which—have you seen Longshot yet? No, I would okay. like to see it. Right. So, okay, so, I haven't seen yeah. Booksmart either. I would have seen both of those if they were on Netflix. Right. Which is, like, definitely worth noting because I think you're not alone on that. Longshot is, I think, closer to, like, a traditionally good movie Mm -hmm. rom-com. I mean, they clearly spent more money on it. I think they tested the jokes a bit more. It is, like, something that you would have gone to the theaters to see 10 years ago or 15 years ago. It's what you and I think of as, like, a romantic comedy as opposed to 
the kind of TV dinner romantic comedy that right. is Netflix. It also has movie stars, whereas right. Netflix movies do not. Right. Well, at least these don't. I mean, well, there's, there's Triple Frontier and whatnot, but, I'm, like, the rom-coms don't. Also, Always Be My Baby has one notable exception, which we'll come back to. Oh, my God. I loved it. But <laughs> Longshot didn't—basically failed at the box office because no one went to see it because we are all now— trained to watch these type of movies at home. And there are alternatives. Now, they're not as good. I do not think that Always Be My Maybe is as good as Longshot. No. And so oh, I, I, seen it. I do worry that they'll just stop making the actually good rom-coms. Yeah. And they'll only make this middle ground. I think that many of the actually good rom-coms I was too young for. Mm-hmm. And so I'm used to watching this movie at home, which is like another piece of it. Like, mm-hmm. I love you know, the Nora Ephron movies so much. And I was largely, like, too young to really appreciate the experience of going to see them. So to me, they actually are, like, very personal at-home experiences anyway. So it kind of, like, falls in line. No, I completely agree. It's also... It's okay if you don't want to go to the movie theater. Yeah. Like, we have, there are whole industries and technologies that have developed. It's amazing. Last night, my husband wanted to watch the Deadwood movie. No, thank you. So I was just, like in bed watching a weird stars Philippa Gregory adaptation oh, on my that? phone. It's okay. We can talk about it another time. They're like, there's not as much sex as there should be for oh. a Philippa Gregory adaptation, Damn. which seems weird, though I'm okay with it. But anyway, but I was sitting there just like watching this on my iPhone and being like, wow, the future is amazing. Totally. This is so great. Like even f- five years ago, I couldn't have done this. But also we're trained. We have so many options and movies are... Movie theaters are expensive, yeah. and they mostly just show, like, X-Men and Marvel. And, of, of course, people want to watch things at home. I don't blame anyone for that. But I do just worry that the kind of explosion of just the really paint-by-numbers Netflix rom-com is going to have the side effect of not making as many of the romantic comedies that you and I, like, actually really enjoy yeah. and want to watch over and over again. That's the thing. Would you rewatch any of these Netflix movies? I thought about rewatching Oz Vi maybe. Okay. But I haven't. And I've also thought about rewatching um To All the Boys I've Loved Before, but I haven't. Yeah, I think people have watched To All the Boys. I think To All the Boys I Love Before is like superior to most of the Netflix rom coms. I think it's better made. Yeah. And I also think Set It Up is slightly superior to I know you were at on that, but Yeah, I didn't like that that much. I'm in a minority there. I thought the script was a bit better than Yeah. And I thought the chemistry of the people was a bit better. That one felt the most lifetime movie to me. It felt like the worst made. I think the production kind of like threw me off. I mean, the production in general on these, that's clearly where they're saving money. Yeah. Because it's meant to be watched on your TV screen or on your phone. Right. Because a lot of people do. And I'm not knocking that because I was watching a lot of stuff on my phone last night. It was great. But so I agree the production value is is noticeably lower on these. And I just don't think that people are we watching them? Or you and I aren't. I really can't speak to what the teens are doing with the teen market rom-com. It certainly seems like they're making like teen Netflix stars with each of these movies and that younger audiences get really fixated on them. And I suspect they probably rewatch them more than you or I would. Yeah. When I was watching the last summer, I'd heard of Sosie Bacon because she's Kira Sedgwick and uh, Kevin Bacon's daughter and KJ Appa I know from Riverdale, mm-hmm. which I watched one season of. And then everyone else in the movie, I was just like, are these people famous? Like, who are they? And I then I was, like, Wikipediaing them. And I was like, oh, Jacob Lattimore. That's him. Okay. Yeah. And then, like, this young woman from Australia whose name I don't even remember. Like, just a lot of 
star, maybe stars, actors and actors who I just don't know who they are. It, yeah. I, it was a real. We're getting old. That's okay. Check moment. Yeah. That's I was like, okay. I didn't feel good. I was like, oh, I don't know. I am I am aging maybe a little with a little grace. So I, it's a lot of grace. Yeah. Thanks so much, Amanda. Last note on Always Be My Baby. This yeah. is a gigantic spoiler alert. Just end the podcast here if you haven't watched the movie yet. Let, let yourself go unspoiled. And despite everything we just said, I, if you're looking for something time. to watch tonight, watch it. It's very fun. Yeah, I had a great time and like texted with many friends about it. Yeah. Okay, you've been warned. Amazing cameo halfway through the movie. Ali Wong's character, who I also think I like this movie because I think she's so pretty and I was just like enjoyed watching her. Yes, though I don't think that they let Ali Wong be as funny as she can be. Or Randall Park for that matter. His rapping was really good. It's true, but I'm not going to, I'm not watching a rom-com <laughs> to see someone do like fake rapping well anyway. It was funny. Yeah. Um, Keanu Reeves makes an incredible cameo, literally like in the like middle 10 minutes of this movie. Yeah, it's a long, long cameo. He is hanging out in this movie multiple scenes. Is anyone having a better like career revival or latter days of his career than Keanu Reeves? It's been quite a year. It's been amazing. Yeah. I love it. And like, I, uh, I just think he seems like a good sport. He does. And this he's playing himself in this movie and is like extremely in on the joke at great length. Yeah. And it's very funny and very charming. He also was filming John Wick at the same time. So he looks like John Wick in this movie, which yeah. really adds to the appeal of the cameo, I think. I, I really enjoyed it. Check out this movie at home. <laughs> Whatever you want. No pressure. It's your it's your time. That's the thing. Watch what you want. This is a place of interest and support. Indeed. Yeah. Um, thanks so much for listening to Jam Session on in its new home here on Ringer Dish. We'll be back next Wednesday. Tell your friends about Ringer Dish. Ringer Dish. 